Pod is a ministry of Grace Church Greenwich. For more resources to help you get to know God better through his word, including bite-sized theology and answers to big questions, do check out www.greenwich.church. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Grace Pod. And actually, once again, my phone thinks that I'm at the Golden Chippy as I press record, which is just a giveaway that the fish and chip shop down the road is I visit a bit too often. We're giving a bit of free advertising. We'll yeah. Try and claim that back as sponsored by <laughs> the Great Chip Yeah, do you think they give me a discount off my fish and chips? Yeah. Uh, that's actually, the, we didn't plan that link, but there's a good segue into today's passage because we're looking at chapter 14 in Mark's Gospel where it's about two dinners. I don't think one of them is a fish and chip supper, but... Uh, one of them is a supper at which a woman breaks a jar of extremely expensive co- uh, perfume and pours it on Jesus' head. Um, and the second one is a um, the Passover supper with roast lamb and bread and wine. So um, a tale of two suppers. And the first one is kind of, well, it, it's it's a supper of extreme reactions to Jesus. So her extreme love of Jesus at the same time as Judas extremely shocking betrayal of Jesus. Yeah, and there's a, um, a contrast between perspectives. So there's this um, extraordinary thing ha- happens where a woman breaks open a flask of ointment. I think you can only use it once. It's once you've opened it, it goes everywhere. And we get the... It's like a, what, the piñata. It's, <laughs> like it's like the perfume equivalent of a piñata. You smash it and it's all and so, out. Yeah, exactly. The firework is let off once. And then... Um, it's we're told the cost of it is three hundred denarii, which is three hundred days' wages, a year's, you know, money. Almost which... a year's salary. I mean, wow. So that is, I mean, everyone's quite shocked at it, and I think we would be too. Like, it's some people can afford to spend what would be that be today's money twenty eight grand or something like on the average wage, and for, but just to to spend that in a one off gesture is kind of shocking. Yeah. And then we, understandably, they say, couldn't, the, couldn't it have been sold and the money given away? Um, and you get these two perspectives. There's the guest's perspective. This is a terrible waste. But Jesus disagrees and he mm. goes, no, 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 she got it exactly right. Mm. And we're scratching our heads and we think, why? How could this possibly be a good use of that resource? And then Jesus opens it up. Um, Leave her alone, says Jesus. Why do you trouble her? She's done a beautiful thing to me um and then their argument is you could have sold it and given the money to the poor and jesus says you always have the poor you can help them whenever you want you won't always have me she's done what she could she's anointed my body beforehand for burial and truly i tell you wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world for example on a podcast of grace church greenwich and many other times in this last 24 hours what she's done will be told in memory of her. And I, I love that because it's sort of, it's self-fulfilling. I mean, every time we mention it, Jesus says, yeah, I was right, wasn't <laughs> yeah. I? So she, this is literally the most famous gesture at a dinner party of all time. Yeah. Um, and and the question is, um, can you overdo your devotion to Jesus? And, and Jesus is saying no, but especially no in the light of what we're counting down to. Because he... He says that um, she's preparing his body for burial, which means not just that he's gave, given predictions in Mark that he will die, but now we know that it's very close. In fact, this is the last washing he'll get before the death, so he, we're, we're days away. I think this is Tuesday, if I've got the maths right. People can, if, you, if, you, if you're listening to the podcast, you think I've got it wrong. 
then right into us. But it's two days before um, the the Last Supper. The Last Supper is on a Thursday, and Jesus dies on Friday morning. So it's it, it's the the point is it's it's the last week of Jesus' life. Yeah, and and especially drawing in, bringing in Jesus's death. What she's done is entirely appropriate and sweet smelling, and we're meant to feel the goodness of it. And part of the goodness of it is the contrast, because immediately next to her in the story is what Judas does. And I mean, I don't, do you think she even knows? Like she's anointed his body for burial. I, I've often thought, does she know she is, or is it just she really loves him? And Jesus says, and you know what, her actions are more appropriate than even she realizes. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, you said it's next. It's contrasted with um, Judas. It's actually sandwiched, isn't it? So just before we hear about the dinner party, we hear about the chief priest problem. How can we? How can we get this guy? How can we arrest him? And then just after this dinner party, we find the solution. Judas goes to them and says, "Oh, I'll betray him if you like," and they're really chuffed. So it's it's like her love for Jesus is contrasted with this plot that's happening, even at the same time. And there's all these contrasts. She splashes out a, a year's wages worth of perfume, whereas Judas makes a little bit of money for the sake of um, betraying him. They give him some money. And she does it publicly, not caring about the, the, the shock and the scandal. They do it secretly, not during the feast, because there might be, you know, we might upset the people. So it's just the beauty of her action and the grubbiness and sort of sinister in the shadows for a little bit of petty money it's all it's all very sordid and jesus tells us how we're to think about both because he tells us the outcome so the outcome for her she's going to be globally honored everyone's going to be talking about it forever and yet verse 21 his curse will mean it will be better if he had never lived so we're under no illusions they're two completely different outcomes to these sorts of approaches to life now I guess the way it's written, we're supposed to think she's brilliant and he's awful. And I mean, it's worked, doesn't it? Because as you say, she's famous and even the name Judas is not a popular one amongst boys' names. Because, um, so Mark is sort of saying to us, be like her, she got it right. Don't be like him, he got it wrong. But the reason it sort of makes us uncomfortable is that they're both quite extreme reactions because we might think, OK, I, I, I like Jesus and I like what he's done and I'd like to be a little bit, you know, for him and on his team. But Mark's saying, yeah, to be for Jesus looks like extreme love for him. And to be against Jesus looks like you end up doing something extremely evil against it. And I think, no, I, do, I don't want to be as evil as a Judas, but I don't want to be as over the top as the woman. Can't I be somewhere in between, please? And... Mark is sort of forcing us to take sides. Yeah, and even to think, was she OTT? Had she done something over the top? And Jesus says, no, she's got it exactly right. Hmm. Tells us that she hasn't over-egged it. She's perfectly calculated the worth. She's under, under-egged it. Um, and then the next section helps us understand why it is that Jesus' death can be so um, uh, precious and, and glorious. And And it's a weird section because... Um, we get both the horror and the deliberateness t- woven together. Mm. So mm. there's lots that's emphasised that it's it's a horrific thing that's happening. So it's a betrayal from a trusted friend mm. and therefore even more grubby. Um, and, uh, you know, for the person who does the betrayal, it'd be better if they never lived. 
Um, and yet everything about it says Jesus is doing it deliberately. Mm. So he, he's organised all the details of the event. So there's going to be a specific encounter with a specific guy. He takes him to a specific place. And, and it's predicted in the scriptures. We were talking about this last night. I just I read these verses and said, what does this remind you of? And someone said, well, it's like the donkey, isn't it? So yeah, Jesus yeah. says, oh, go into the city and, you'll, and ask for a, a cult and you'll find one tied up by a particular place. And, if, and it's... There's only twice in the gospel that you get this almost spookily prearranged and you think, has Jesus just gone and, you know, talked to a lot of people and, and paid them to do this? Or is it just that supernaturally he knows? And you can't quite tell, but it's just you get a script of exactly what will happen and then it exactly happens. Um, you'll see a man carrying a jar of water and you'll meet him and follow him. I mean, has Jesus said to him, excuse me, mate, do you mind just carrying this jar of water? Or is he? Is it just Jesus' divine foreknowledge of Either way, it, it as you say, you realise this is absolutely in the control of Jesus down to the down to the. It's a bit, it reminds me of the Truman Show, you know, where the whole thing has been staged and someone cycles past on their bicycle and just after the cycle past on the bicycle, somebody, a little girl is going to come out of their car and it, it's almost like that's how scripted this is in God's plan. And and that raises the question because if something is both really tightly scripted and organised and really really. In, visibly um, disgraceful and disgusting, mm-hmm. you think there must must be something more that I'm missing. There must be some, something, some greater good that would mean that Jesus knows there's something terrible coming. And instead of running away, he's planning it. Um, and he's even planning the date. I, I quite like the detail that they, um, the chief priests, are adamant in verse 1, it cannot happen on this day. And then Jesus goes, actually, we're going to do it on this day, whether you like it or not. So he's, he's mm-hmm. even over... He's trumping their planning and saying, no, I'm in charge of my death. I'm going to do the dating, thank you. Uh, I'd not spotted that. They don't want it during the Passover and Jesus wants it exactly in the Passover. Exactly, so uh, he takes, takes yeah. control. And we, we're not very good at combining those, are we? Because we either think it's God's doing and it's good or it's not. It's bad and therefore it's not under God's control and it's maybe the devil, it's our free will or whatever. But the Bible at the point of the cross says God is maximally in control and it's maximally evil. So it doesn't mean that God does the evil because the evil is done by Judas and the chief priests and the, and the enemies and it's a very sinful thing. But God is absolutely sovereign even over the evil. Yeah. So, I mean, Jesus puts it side by side in the same verse. The son of man goes as it's written of him, I in the scriptures authored by the Holy Spirit, the plan of God. But way to the man by whom the Son of God has been betrayed. Yeah, both equally true. And and to get through the puzzle of how God can want something so terrible, I think that the significance is um, the meaning of the meal. So we, we get a real emphasis again and again. We get told it's the, the feast of the Passover, the Passover, the Passover. And for us who are um, now, you know, 14 chapters into Mark, our ears are pricking up because we've... We've already been told a lot in lots of places that that the redemption that Jesus, well, Jesus is going to be a ransom for many. That's a redemption language. And there's so much in Mark that points to an Exodus type mm. uh, rescue. So he, we saw that at the feeding of the 5,000. We've thought about hard hearts like Pharaoh, mm. right from the chapter one about the wilderness that they're going to come through and so on. And so when we discover Passover, mm. uh, you know, we're already tuned in to think, ah, oh, of course, Jesus is the ransom. This is going to be the, the, the Passover of Passover. It's the one that they all pointed to. 
I mean, yeah. most people in the podcast probably know that, but if if you don't know the backstory, uh, the Passover was the sacrifice of the lamb on the night of redemption, the night they escaped from Egypt. And the blood of the lamb was the means by which you escaped the wrath of God. You put the blood on the doorposts of your houses and God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over. So the judgment skips houses where a lamb's been sacrificed. And that, that's this great picture of Jesus redeeming death, that his blood marks out God's people so that they will skip, the judgment will skip them. God will pass over in judgment the, the people marked out by the blood of his son. And it's such a, a glorious um, dress rehearsal for the final redemption because you, everything's happening at once. You've got this, um, the sacrifice taking the wrath of God, but then you've got at the same time a people being liberated from slavery into mm. freedom. And at the same time, you've got the birth of a new people. This is their independence day that will ever be, forever be remembered. So all of that background is being drawn on and we're seeing, ah, oh, of course, this is why the woman's response was so appropriate. This is why mm. something so terrible is still God-willed. Uh, and it's because something is about to happen which is indescribably precious. Um, and there's even another hint of um, uh, an Exodus event, Did uh, the, the language of covenant. Did you want to talk about yeah, that? Yeah, well, so I think for years I thought, oh, the Last Supper is about, is about the Passover meal. And, and it is, like that's what we just said is, is true. And Mark makes a lot about the timing. But if anything, there's another mid in Exodus that's even more in view here. And one of the puzzles is, isn't the Passover supposed to be roast lamb? And, and that's right at the centre of the meal. But there's no mention of roast lamb here. It's, it's mention of bread and wine. You think, that, that's a bit odd. But then the language in verse 24, this is my blood of the covenant poured out for many. Uh, truly, I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. That makes us think of Exodus 24, which is having been rescued um, through the Passover and by the parted water of the Red Sea, brought through the wilderness. They then come to Mount Sinai and God makes a covenant saying, you're my people. I'm in relationship with you. And then as a sign of the covenant, he invites the elders of the people up the mountain and they have a meal with God. They, they eat and drink with him. And it, it's, it's about that as well. So Jesus, the blood of the covenant, the blood that marked them out in this relationship, that was the blood that was sprinkled all over the people in Exodus. So Jesus' death isn't just the rescue from God's anger. It's also the relationship into which you were rescued. And even more than that, it's the fellowship with God that you, God invites you for dinner. He says, Let, let's eat and drink together because we're, uh, we're friends. So I, I love that. I, used, I think I used to think of the cross as the, the consequences of sin that it spares us from. And it, it is that, but that's half the story. It's also the relationship that it restores us to. Um, which is why um, we, we like the language of Holy Communion. I, I used to think, oh, Holy Communion, isn't that what Catholics call it? You know, or I, I don't know. I thought maybe evangelicals ought to call it the, the Lord's Supper. And, it, you know, it is a supper, but it is a communion because it's a supper where God says, let's be in fellowship, you and I, because I've saved you to know me and to be my people. Yeah. And and what, the more we see about all of these um, fulfilments and what it is that Jesus' death is really achieving, um, the, the more it makes sense that um, uh, everything that we've seen that 
though horrific it's planned and the more it makes sense as well about how she has got it exactly right she, and, and and i think this is the 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 punch of the passage we think that she's gone a bit ott and if we think that we haven't quite grasped mm. just how precious what jesus has done is and if we did we'd see you can't overdo devotion in fact you can only underdo um you can only um hit below what you're meant to jesus is about to die to be the sacrifice that means the wrath of God passes over to bring about the relationship where we eat and drink with the creator of the universe as his friends and two days before it three days before it she goes this is worth a year's wages like yeah. and and some demands my soul my life my all hmm. yeah thanks so much for joining us on Grace Pod, and um, we'll be back again with uh, the next part of the chapter. Do um, share if this has been a help to you. And I think the, the doorbell's just gone, your daughter's back from school, so good timing. God bless. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Grace Pod. For more information about Grace Church Greenwich, visit www.greenwich.church.